It is Tuesday, February 25th, 2020, and coming up, Dwayne Wade had his jersey retired in Miami over the weekend. We'll tell you how the event over the weekend changed jersey retirements forever. Also, Benny, would you buy $8,000 Oreo? Why one brand thinks you should. All that and more coming up. This is The Tune-Up. Welcome on into the show. My name is Denny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur, the king of the day-night doubleheader himself. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? Hi, Denny. Hey. What's shaking? You, you've had a busy 24 hours. Yeah, I was in Baltimore last yeah. night. I was at a place called the Metro Gallery, uh, opening a show for a great band called Strike Anywhere, one of my favorite hardcore bands of all time. And guess what? What's up? I got in the pit last night. You got in the pit? The mosh pit? The old man. Look the at you. The old man. I pulled... It happens sometimes. There's a few bands where a song will start, and I just have this like water boy moment <laughs> where I just feel it inside of me, and, I and just, it takes you back. And I just got to get in the mix. You oh, know, I can't just awesome. like yeah. it's a hardcore show. You can't just like sit there and right. just nod your like like to me the the visceral reaction of yeah. what happens to your body at a hardcore show is very important. So yeah, the old man even with backpack on and everything was floor punching in the middle of Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, it was straight Amsterdam shit. Uh, good show. Got home late. Yeah. Kids woke up early. You know oh how my it gosh. goes. You, no, I don't know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know how that goes. <laughs> yeah, it's not like they go, oh, pa, you were in Baltimore last night. Why don't you take another hour this morning, you know? They're not like, very thoughtful nope, creatures like Nope. That. Six, seven o'clock, they're up jumping on the bed and all that stuff. Yeah. But. All right, Benny, because we can't go from cold takes to hot takes, it's time for our don't fuck this up person or thing of the week. Look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. And the last thing I said to him, I said, look, man, don't fuck this up for me. Don't fuck it up. Benny, who do you got? So, Denny. Yeah. It's me. What? I'm the don't fuck this up person oh, of the week. It's not even Valentine's Day anymore. I know. So, listen, something's been happening. And I've always been kind of a strange character. A little outside of the normal, a little out of step to use a minor threat reference. But the other morning, I was walking around town, and for some reason, I was inspired to just say, good morrow to everyone I saw on the street. <laughs> and, you know, some people got it, kind of thought it was funny. Some people were just totally confused. Some others massively freaked out. And then last night, I go to bring a shirt to the drummer from Strike Anywhere, a very nice guy. And I bring him a shirt. There's a couple people back there. And I say hello, and I shake their hands. There's two young ladies, and one of them's like, "Oh, very formal." And I'm like, "I'm like, you know, I was raised by a single mom. She <laughs> taught me that when you meet a woman, you look her in the eyes and you shake your hands. You know, that for some reason this comment just threw her off so bad. And before I knew it, I'm just like the weird dude in the room, totally self-conscious and just not feeling great. And uh, I think I think I gotta cool it." With the good morrow? I, I don't know. I'm just freaking people out left and right. I think I need to not fuck this up. I got kids now. I got to make sure I'm not alienating myself to the world. And before you know it, I'm just like talking to myself in a cave somewhere, you know? Like this is the natural extension well, of what I mean, I'm doing. Talking to yourself in a cave somewhere is exactly what podcasting is. But <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, though I do like trying to make the good morrow a thing. That's a. That'd look great on a t-shirt somewhere. I think, could we make it stick? I mean, hey, if you want to lead off every podcast with Good Morrow, 
I feel like we would uh, really help our demographics in the UK. And I did the voice. And I know it's a weird reference, but I like the movie Role Models. And Joel Latrulio yeah. plays a funny character <laughs> yeah. in that movie where he's like kind of a Renaissance fair guy. <laughs> and he walks through the battlefield going, good morrow. And it cracks me up, you know? So I don't know. There was a time once when, when Gaslight was recording American Slang, we were you know, all commuting into the city every day to, to go to the studio. And for some reason, I had bought a collection of fake mustaches. This is before I had a real one. Yeah. And I would just wear a fake mustache taking the train ride. And one day, Alex Rosamelia is walking by me in the train. Didn't even know it was me. Fake mustache. And he looks over, he goes... Double takes. I'm like, ha like, what the fuck are you doing, man? I'm like, I don't know. It's fun. My don't fuck this up person of the week is Milwaukee Bucks G League coach Chase Buford. That's the whitest name I've ever heard. Right, exactly. He went on this profound rant over the weekend. Uh, the officiating definitely went right for Grand Rapids. That was as unprofessional as a officiating performance. And I hope you tweet this out and tag the league because that was embarrassing. Um, Matt Rafferty is a that being said, we have to be so much better at the end of games. We can't blow a 21-point lead with 12 minutes to go. However bad and biased and uh, unfair and illegal and cheating the referees are, uh, we have to be better closing games. And so that's what we have to Now, there are only three cases when you want to hear about the G League. A surprise rookie who worked his way up the ranks, awesome. A fan who hit a half-court shot for an Omaha Steaks gift card, even better. <laughs> or the origin story about Nick Nurse's classic self-branded nick nurse hat and you thought doing a podcast was the most narcissistic thing you could do <laughs> regardless chase buford is the son of longtime spurs executive rc buford and his rant is the most culturally relevant thing to come from oshkosh wisconsin since the invention of oshkosh bagosh i got through that <laughs> sentence without <laughs> any hiccups but here's why chase buford is my don't fuck this up person of the week prior to this week most people outside of the basketball world had no idea who this guy was and now, he's got all the shine. If the Herd go on to win the G League, he's this fiery coach that gets the most out of his players. But if they go out and tank, he's a guy who's lost the locker room. So Chase, you have all the shine right now. And I'm pretty sure you'll be sitting right next to Tim Duncan or Becky Hammond on the front of the bench once Greg Popovich retires. Chase, he's the heir to the Popovich throne, huh? He seemed so sad in his rant, like he was yeah, about right? to cry. He looked like he was on like a three-day yeah, bender, like, too, which I was like, oh, man. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right, Benny, first topic here. This past weekend, the Miami Heat retired the number of a man beloved in South Beach. He's so beloved that they named the entire county after him. That's right, we're talking about Marquette's own Dwayne Wade. The three-time NBA champion had his number three hoisted to the rafters of American Airlines Arena on Saturday, but that wasn't all. The weekend was kicked off with a flashback ceremony on Friday where his former teammates, his family and friends, all celebrated his years with the Heat in front of a packed house at the AAA. And then on Saturday, the actual jersey ceremony happened during the Cavs game. Miami scored 82 points in the first half so that the players could actually stay out and watch. And then on Sunday, there was the debut of his documentary, D-Wade Life Unexpected, and there was a Q&A at the American Airlines Arena as well. So, Benny, this was an impressive weekend for a guy who me means a lot to South Florida, sure. means a lot to an organization. How has this kind of changed how we celebrate beloved careers going forward? 
I mean, it sets a bar pretty high as far as the the things they brought out for Dwayne Wade. But I think uniquely, you got to recognize that this is like the most impactful player in a franchise history right. by far. Like, it's not even close. You know, you can't minimize his legacy in Miami. He's the franchise leader in points, games played, assists, steals, and not only holds the scoring record over Alonzo Mourning, but holds it by 11,000 points. Mm. So, like, he's not only the franchise's most important player now, he's going to be for the foreseeable future right. for a long time. So I think it's totally appropriate for a player of his ilk uh, and a player of his magnitude in Miami to get something like this. The thing I don't want to happen is what's happened with, like, returning players' tribute videos mm. and shit like that, like, where... You know, if a guy played one and a half semi-okay seasons in some arena, the time he comes back, there's a tribute video for him, and the teams feel like they have to do this stuff. And I think it's kind of watering down when you have a real tribute to give mm. someone. Like, Vince Carter comes back and plays against the Nets, and he's 42 years old, and he's about to retire. Give the guy a video. Yeah. He had some great moments with the Nets. But Brock, he doesn't get a weekend. No, no yeah. weekend. You know, you get something like that. But if a guy has this, like, short-lived thing, meh. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't want to see Kerry Kittles getting a two-day <laughs> two thing in, in Brooklyn. So uh, I thought it was um, very well done. Uh, I think Dwayne Wade's a very cool guy. And, um, yeah, and it was nice to see. And I thought it honored him well, and he came off very well through the whole process i don't know if you, if you watched the Dwayne wade documentary but they took you inside the the decision of of the big three how wade was sitting there watching the decision just like the rest of us mm. that kind of brings us to your boy lebron james sure when he hangs it up it's my boy exactly i don't think he he may get some love in miami i don't think he gets a weekend from pat riley no although pat riley may do that because the, the thing lost in all of this, yes, this is about Dwayne Wade, but this is about the summer of 2021 for Miami. Mm -hmm. Miami is all in on going after a Giannis, going after whoever else is available that summer. And they want to show you that, hey, if you come here, you can be a lifer and be celebrated. You may not have the county named after you, right. but I'm sure that they could find some part of Little Greek in South Beach to kind of name a after Giannis. So... What a remarkable marketing tool for recruiting for Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, and the Miami Heat. I mean, the main reason why the Knicks aren't getting anybody right now is they don't celebrate their past players. Sure. Players want to be pampered. They want to be treated properly. And this is another sign that Heat culture is just different. Miami's a nice place, too. All right, Benny, actual basketball talk on this pod coming up here. <laughs> Uh, the Western Conference, the the bottom half of this uh, in the playoff picture is getting spicy. The Pelicans have looked great of late. Zion has been playing out of his mind, mm. putting up Jordan-esque numbers. Mm. But the Grizzlies looking pretty good as well. They're currently holding the eight seed, but the Pels are three and a half back. I know you're probably going to throw the Spurs in here as well. Who do you like to get the eight seed in, in the Western Conference? I mean, to me right now, it's a three-team race. Mm. I think the Spurs don't have enough this season, right. especially with how stacked it is. Um, I think the Suns are intriguing now that Aiton's back and yeah. Booker's and healthy. And he's been dominant. And that team looks pretty good, but they have a big hole. 
uh, and a lot of games to make up, and I just don't quite see them getting over the hump yet. The Kings are too beat up and just can't get you know a regular yeah. flow going. I do think been watching some Kings games and I actually like the way that Walton's coaching and I think they have something nice going on over there but it's just not quite there yet um so to me you know Memphis has uh you know a three-game lead for the eight seed right now but I don't trust it right and I don't think it's gonna stay Jaron Jackson's gonna miss some time as the year goes on I think you're just gonna see more and more physical regression from Joe Val and Morant. I mean, have I ever seen a player who scares me more when they go up for a shot than John Morant? It's like watching Aaron Judge uh, field a fly ball and dive for it. Every time it happens, I just wince because I just think something terrible is going to happen. You know, I don't trust his physical situation. It's going to take a while. There's only one guy I can remember getting bounced around the court as much as he does and being okay, and it's Allen Iverson. Mm. So that's like a hard comp <laughs> right. to keep up for X amount of time. Um, I think that Portland has the probably, you know, they have the experience, they have the moxie, mm. they have, you know, these guys in the starting lineup now, like Ariza, who, you know, can really help them gel together. But Lillard's still hurt. They, um, they're really thin towards the back end. They still have no Nurkic and no Collins. Um also, Portland is alarmingly 10 and 20 on the road this yeah. year. Uh, and I think they're going to have to win some some difficult road games and stuff like that to, to clinch it. And Nola is just hitting their stride at the yeah. right time. I mean, Zion's led the team in scoring for four straight games. Holiday's healthy, settled into his new role. And then the complimentary players like, like Derek Favors and Melly and Josh Hart are all healthy is really nice, and yeah. contributing, you know, not only um, contributing stats, but contributing some interesting complimentary pieces like yeah. Josh Hart can handle Josh Hart can board. He can shoot. He's a nice player to have off the bench. Like uh, Melly, all of a sudden you have a guy's six foot 10, you know, out mm. there, like actually properly stretching the floor yeah. and you need to like, and if you can have floor spacers on a team with fucking Zion crashing yeah. to the rim and stuff like that, I mean, it's enticing. And they have the experience and the flow. So right now, and and to top it off, I mean, we don't got to get too like overly conspiracy about it. Yeah. But the NBA and its partners, the referees, will do everything in their power to get fucking Zion oh, in the playoffs. Like, let's be real. Like that. Let's be real. As a pseudo-employee of the NBA, it does not work like that. I know I the refs aren't that. getting handouts, <laughs> but it's like, there's, there's, like, how can there not be any favoritism? Like, a ref is a giant basketball fan, right? I, Normally? I, probably. I've, I've seen Forgetting Paris, I know. Probably a giant basketball fan. Like, Zion has nothing to do with my team, nothing to do with my league, nothing to do with my conference. I watch that guy every time he's on. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I have to. Yeah. I'm like, oh, shit, Zion's on. I don't even care if, like, you know, Lakers Clippers are playing on TNT. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm going to stream Zion on Reddit because <laughs> yeah. I just want to see what the fuck this guy does. Like, I think there's, like, just a natural inclination in a game situation where, like, People are rooting for this kid. People yeah. want to see him in the playoffs. People want to see more of him, you know? And, like, I don't know. He might get a couple favorable favorable <laughs> calls going, going along the way. What's remarkable to me about Zion, and, and I'm happy that we're here right, right now at this place finally talking about this kid, because what really sets this guy apart, he has 
an incredible IQ that is LeBron-esque. Yeah. There was a play against uh, Portland the other night where I think it was Ingram drove the lane and uh, Zion was being double teamed. Uh, both of the guys uh, took one step forward. Zion takes two steps back. The spacing creates the space. He gets the bounce pass, dunks it easy. Yeah. He does the small stuff. I mean, he had right. 10 points in a blink of an eye and smart players that's like when you watch college basketball and you can kind of see the guys that are going to go pro some guys just know where to be on the court a whole Mm -hmm. lot better than others now to be having that same conversation against guys that are like pros and have like uh, been up for like defensive teams and like all-star teams is an incredible thing to do but kind of talking about this point in the season right I think a lot of people get wrapped up in the day-to-day rather than looking at the big picture. This post-All-Star break to, like, right ahead of the end of the season is some of the most least telling basketball about the big picture of right. the league because you can have a guy like, I mean, Jason Tatum, great player. He's playing out, out of his out mind of right mind. now, yeah. playing very streaky. I wouldn't be concerned if I was Boston that he's, like, peaking at the wrong time. But, I mean, you just see teams going on runs i mean the the clippers still continuing to lose as they continue to find their footing and and their collective chemistry lakers and bucks look unbeatable yet nobody cares about the bucks the bucks clinched a playoff spot and people are are still talking about Giannis's free agency and i mean rightly so i mean like they still have eric bledsoe as their main point guard and i would not trust him in a big time situation still but it's a completely different team but it's just this point between valentine's day and the end of the ncaa tournament it's a pretty wacky time for the nba i mean this is when we saw on those nets teams right where they went on that remarkable run from like january to march and then sure i think that year they got bounced in the first round or, or the second one so you can look unbeatable now i still think that the clippers are head and shoulders above everybody else it's like clippers just in terms of if they can get it together, they're above everybody else. But it's right now, also the Bucks. I mean, like here, here's where, like, you know, you put the Clippers on paper. Sure, yeah. Like, I, I, like, how could you deny what they have put together? But uh, Andrew Shamit hasn't looked that good currently. You can't, you can't, like, uh, you can't figure out health in that way. Yeah, you know what I mean, and like. Paul George doesn't play. The Clippers aren't good. Yeah. And he, the, it's not and like Paul George needs to prove to me that he can be a good basketball player. Right. He needs to prove to me he can play yeah. for an extended period of time. I don't trust that team without right. him to get through the Lakers or the Bucks. Yeah. And I actually think the Lakers, you know, when uh, that, that, that full squad they have out, I think they're probably the most, the most dominant team. Uh, to my eyes right now because when I see LeBron and AD on the court together, I don't see any solution in the NBA for it still, like by the Bucks or the Clippers. Like if I had seen a healthy Kawhi Leonard and Paul George busting around the court all right. season defending the perimeter like they thought they should. And I think the Lakers have one like wild card that I know it's a strange wild card to put your money on. And it's someone I'm even scared to say. But Rajon Rondo has a real tendency 
to kind of play possum for long stretches mm. and kind of play possum for a season. And then all of a sudden when Rajon Rondo like needs to be Rajon Rondo. Yeah. So I have a feeling like you're going to see some like balling from him in the playoffs too, like, like some next level Rajon Rondo shit going on again. So in terms of teammates in the NBA, LeBron and Alex Caruso actually have the best <laughs> plus minus, minus went yeah. on. But he only played like nine minutes last night. Yeah. Like they don't... See, I'm still skeptical about this this Lakers team. I don't think that they have enough shooting around those big guys. Kyle Kuzma has been awful this year. Not great. I mean, so Danny Green can impact the game. He can can stretch the floor. So I, I think actually if their like crunch time lineup, if the playoffs were to start today, would be Avery Bradley, Alex Caruso, Danny Green, AD, and LeBron James. I'm not sure how that's winning you a championship when you have to go up against a Bucks team with as much chemistry or heck even the Celtics yesterday looked about as good of them on paper so yeah we'll see I mean it's just one of those things with the yeah. Clippers and and the thing with the Bucks is that like we've watched LeBron James win championships we've watched Kawhi Leonard win championships yeah. we've seen them go over the hump that we didn't think they could get over at right. some point. We haven't seen Giannis do it yet. Yeah. You know, so as as strong of a regular season he's having, as dominant as that team is, I don't think anyone's going to believe it until to we're in the finals with the Bucks. you know, and, and you see him getting boxed out of the paint and figuring out solutions, yeah. solutions to getting, getting past I'm, that. I'm hoping Kyle Korver's just playing possum. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. All right, Benny, we've reached the halfway point of the podcast, which means it's time for our dollar slice take of the week. So in Jersey City here, you know, a lot of people get a lot of parking tickets. Uh, we yeah, have, we yeah, have, we've, we've talked about this a yeah, bunch. Alternate side of street parking, four days a week to on, on each side. And, uh, I was curious why no one's invented a a parking service, you know, especially with digital technology now, GPS technology. Like you, like will park for you. You go to work, you do this, you sign up for our service monthly. We know where your car is based yeah. on GPS, and we have some access to your automobile, mm. and we move it for you. And and collection, you know, like like dog walkers, you know, like where you have you literally give these people keys to your home yeah. you know what i mean and as long as enough people have said they're trustworthy then they seem to keep getting keys to their home so i think as long as you stagger the time because that was the only rub i saw to this was mm. the fact that like you can't move 12 cars all at 9 55 right so you'd have to stagger the time through the morning but uh yeah yeah car parking service that, that's a brilliant idea I mean, that's actually like I don't like. I think I should strike that from the podcast because I think that you could actually make money off of this. Uh oh, put a little. How do you how do you put a little C after something when you just say it? Copyright it. Yeah. My dollar slice take of the week. You know, I'm gonna bring it and kind of keep it with the food here. You know, mm -hmm. dollar slice. Benny, have you ever had a bao bun before? No, I don't know what that is. All right, so it's like. Uh, for those of us playing along at home, it's in essence like a Asian taco. Mm -hmm. And the bun is kind of like, I know phyllo dough is not like the word, but it's this, uh, essentially it's a thicker version of the dough that they put around dumplings mm -hmm. and they put, you know, you can get like, 
like pork belly, and then there's like cucumbers and cabbage in there, right? And it kind of looks like like a taco. Uh-huh. It's nice. My dollar slice take here is, why do we have to stop with it looking like a taco? Give me a bao burrito where <laughs> you can get whatever kind of meat you want, your, your pork belly, shrimp, whatever, and you kind of have a bigger sample size uh-huh. and it can kind of fill you up. I think this could actually be a fast food chain. I mean, Bow burritos. A, yeah, but this is sounding closer now. If you're wrapping the whole thing up, now aren't I just looking at like a Hot Pocket? Aren't I looking yeah, at just I mean, like well, a like, calzone? You, you know? could simplify a, a burrito <laughs> down to a Hot Pocket if you want to. I mean, you can buy both at, at a gas and station sometimes. I'd like you to consider something. Yes. If you're going to fill this breading with yeah. something... You'll have to bake it all together, and I think your insides are going to need a lot more baking than your your bun outside. I think there's a reason tortillas exist to 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 keep all these things no, no, together. No. You don't bake everything inside of the thing. <laughs> it's not like a dumpling. In that case, I just go for like 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 a big ass dumpling. It's more. It's supposed to be more elongated. Denny's big ass dumplings. That's right. I think that's your next. Oh, that should be your next. That's a fusion spot if I've ever heard one. (laughs) (laughs) Denny Gallagher's Big Ass Dumplings. I'm in for a shot of J-Mo and a bow bun. Oh, my god! We're crossing cultures. This is great. All right, Benny, we've reached the bottom half of the podcast, which means it's time we go to the top of the fold. All right, Benny, first topic here. Some surprising news from the Spotify Corporation. And no, we're not talking about them paying Bill Simmons a bunch of money. We're talking about how profits near the end of last year for Spotify were down, which caused panic on Wall Street and a sizable shift in their investors. A bunch of American-based investors jumped out of the company and foreign sovereign wealth funds and private equity jumped in now we know what this means for spotify uh it means that 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 they can probably keep charging you like the 5.99 but benny when a music giant like this goes through this kind of uh almost a, a cultural shift what does this do to the artist or does this do anything to the artist no i mean it kind of keeps the artist in tow exactly where they were which is kind of the issue I have in the first place with these services. So, I mean, just right off the bat, like Spotify pays an artist anywhere from 0.006 cents a play to 0.0084 cents a play. So, I mean, that means you're not getting 84 cents a play. You're getting one one thousandth of 84 cents a play or something like that, which is just like... I mean, it's a pitiful thing that happened. And the thing that bothers me, well, let's talk about it the most. So, yeah. so that's how much you're, you're paid per play. And then on top of that, the rights holder can then split these earnings between a record label, producers, artists, songwriters. It's not like when you get even the 0.006 cents isn't coming in clean. That's getting chopped up many, many, many different ways. So case in point, a couple years ago, Mariah Carey broke the single-day streaming record with 11 million streams in a day for 
all I want for Christmas is you. Yeah. See, this is I'm in the wrong business. You know, <laughs> I'm in the wrong business right off. I can't wait for the gaslight and, Christmas though. And she cleared ninety thousand dollars off that. Now I know that seems like a significant amount of money, but like 90, imagine from eleven million streams. Yeah, yeah. Imagine what eleven million albums like used to mean for Mariah Carey yeah. or an artist like that when you're getting the actual uh, revenue back from the thing you're doing. So the thing that happened, the thing I resent, I even uh, spoke to Gaslight's manager, a uh, manager I know named Rich Cohen, who has very nice shirts. Oh, yeah? All these guys, they have beautiful shirts. I was supposed to hashtag what his shirt company is that he likes, but I forget the name of it. He bought me one. Is this ad read right now? He bought me one <laughs> of these shirts, and they're like, too soft and too fancy and i just look weird in it i'm like i need a hanes bud i need a hanes this isn't working so you know he's making the argument uh while we're talking that's almost like hey like it's better than it was 10 years ago you know what i mean when like literally like the whole thing was broken and no one even knew how to monetize music at all but the thing that i resent about this is the idea that you know 15 20 years ago Streaming started, and people started putting these uh, digital song files out there. They were starting to get shared, and the record labels decided to fight it and fight streaming at every turn and sue little kids and sue like you know a bunch of people trying to shut down streaming to maintain their old archaic dominance over the physical world. And while they were doing that, Spotify came. Things like this came that took their business, and as they should, and they suffered for it. Now, Sony, Universal, like all these major companies that put out records are now invested heavily in Spotify. They're reaping the benefits of the corporate side of Spotify. They're fine. Like they recovered. They're fine. I've been watching the corporate side of this business move from place to place to place to place my whole time i've been in music and they're always fine they always get a job and they always get paid so essentially like there used to be like three revenue streams for an artist you know you could go tour you sell merchandise and you sell your records so somehow the labels fucked up they blew having to sell records they've recovered and made all their money back but now this stream is gone for artists. It's not there anymore. Mm. You know what I mean? It doesn't even fucking exist. So uh, I do resent like this idea that like this is just the way it is now. And I don't think this is like a lasting model because, I mean, for real, like if you're a really, really talented accountant, right? Mm -hmm. You went to school for it. You're very good. You have experience. Other people can say you're very good at it. Will you ever not have a job as an accountant? No. No. You can even fucking go work at H&R Block. You'll get something. Yeah. Because they just decided to pay those people, you know, a living wage to do the thing they do. Mm. And, like, the idea that the lion's share of talented musicians that I know, uh, they're not being paid. And they're having to do other things. And they can't even play music to survive. Yeah. So like, how does how does that sit? And where does that end when literally like, and I try to say this to, to musicians all the time to empower them with this feeling is like, listen, they got fucking nothing to sell, stream, talk about their board meetings without our music. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They need the songs. They need us. They need these things to actually make it happen. But musicians have like uh, somehow minimized their power. And it's because you have artists dealing in a heavily corporate world where like we can't even fucking compete, you know? So the only thing I can see now, I have a long-term solution. Okay, yeah, let's hear it. Who, who would you say has the worst labor union of the four major sports? I'd say football. Yeah. You know, like right. I, I yeah, would yeah. say football. Who has had the longest time without a labor dispute? Football, right? Football. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what needs to happen. So the only way to make this happen, though, I'm afraid, is you would need to have big time artists, a handful of big time artists who can really move the needle, pull their things off streaming pull it off Spotify, take it off, take away the access and make it private, do it yourself. The only issue to all of this, and we've talked about this with the Taylor Swift situation and all that, is they don't own their masters either. Yeah. So literally like the labels own every single aspect of this. And the thing I want to just implore like young musicians and people getting into this industry is if you can retain your music retain your music like there is less and less of a model for labels to be able to get you from a to b you can license your records you can go through distribution companies you can do this you can get secondary funding and you can keep your masters and i think that's the name of the game now it's all about master ownership and how easy it's become to create your own music release your own music master your own music promote your own music I see less and less of a reason for a lot of artists to take these big deals up front, Mm. own their music, and create their path that way. That being said, there's plenty of bands in existence who only got big because they signed record deals. You know what I mean? It's not to say like the apparatus they have in place doesn't work. There's plenty of bands who got signed to labels, went through their system, and everyone made plenty of money. Mm. But that's the problem. It's like how... Uh, you know, LeBron James could be capped at making $30 million a year when, like, the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to lose, like, half a billion dollars this year because of him. So it means he's worth half a billion dollars. You know what I mean? So I think it's about time that some of the big dogs stepped up for the little dogs (laughs) and started taking some of the power back from these services. Now, I feel feel like that happened because... Didn't like, I mean, like Jay Z was trying to start title. He he took his his stuff off of everywhere, but Taylor Swift took it off. Prince didn't have have his stuff on. Um, I'm kind of wondering two things here. Number one, you brought up uh, the the secondary funding. Yeah, I'm super curious about like how artists should go about trying to pursue that. What does that process look like? And then kind of when it comes to streaming and and, and streaming deals. Obviously, I feel like it's kind of like when when people go on strike, like labor unions and, and stuff right. go on strike. Like people don't want to cross the picket line. But I mean, we've seen artists after artists kind of cave to your your streaming giants. So that's right. I know it's a huge question, but kind of if you just want to start with like the secondary funding and how what kind of model would make them like not want to fold. Yeah, well, I mean, the secondary funding would be interesting, and I think people should seek it out more in the idea that you can you can essentially hire companies to 
act as the apparatus a label used to have. So you can literally just pay out of pocket a company to market, to press, to advertise, to distribute, to basically do all these things that the internal mechanisms of the label had. A label sometimes can do it better because mm -hmm. they have the deals and they have the things like that. So really, if you have the record and you have the fan base and you have a way to get it out, all you need is money. You know, yeah. that's all the labels were really fronting. And their trick for a million years was to throw X amount of dollars up front at people that impresses people that they want to take that money with the guys that like, you're never going to pay this money back mm. and you're always going to owe them. And you're going to be in a perpetual fucking tornado, you know, vacuum yeah. of owing them. And you're never going to get your royalties or you're never going to do anything. Like they learned a really long time ago that if you sit, you know, throw a little money up front to these things that you think could be successful, if one out of five of them becomes successful, they make 10 times more money. So, I don't know exactly how, you know, like a 17 or 18 year old artist goes about uh, getting a hedge fund owner on board <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to release their music. But I have a feeling that that is happening more and more and it's going to happen more and more. There's going to be an independent side of this to, to funding and all that. All this being said, I mean, I'm still signed to a major label. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know if any of them are going to listen. I doubt <laughs> it. You know, technically every band I do right now, they're supposed to have first right to refusal on, you know what I mean? But I'm a drummer in these bands and they don't give a shit. I don't even send it to them. Mm. And this is where like, there's such a huge disconnect between artists and company. It's like, it's like they never gave a shit. Mm. And that's where I wish artists protected themselves more. All right, Benny, final story for us today. And this one's pretty crazy. Speaking of money, <laughs> Benny, how much would you pay for a package of Oreos? I mean, depending on, I think there are moments in my life where I'd be desperate enough to like maybe throw out a 20, $20. So <laughs> over the weekend, a package of Supreme branded, you know, the, the hype beast brand Supreme, a package of Supreme Oreos sold for $69,000. <laughs> I mean, at what point do you, like, you can't eat these things, right? Like, I guess you just keep them on, like, a shelf for posterity for, like, the packaging. Is this all for the packaging? Hype beast culture is out of control. <laughs> I thought I thought it kind of died down for the over the past few years. But I guess once you truly combine brands like this and make it a corporate entity like we were talking before, the marriage of Supreme and Oreo... But what do you make of this? <laughs> well, now, I, I don't know why this image popped into my head, but I'm imagining, sure, like most people who would buy this, I would imagine buy it, keep it sealed, save it somewhere, and expect it to make more money. But what about some, like, rich motherfucker who's just like, let's break them open. And, and they're, like, sitting around with their rich friends, like, delicately taking each Supreme Oreo. And what milk would they use? You know, it's not like you're going to some store and well, just get the whole milk at that point. Yeah, but wouldn't you use like an exotic animal I feel milk? Like you could or buy new cholesterol. If you be had. like, you know what's best for Supreme Oreos? <laughs> camel milk. Only Indonesian camel milk. You know, something like that to make it all. But I mean, this stuff is funny. I see that line. I can't drive past that fucking Supreme store in the city without yeah. like a line going around the block. Like people. Uh, tourists from like all over the world are going to the Supreme store and willing to spend this money. I mean, it's the same as, 
CBGB's closes, John Varvatos comes in, and before you know it, like there's seven hundred dollar Clash T-shirts mm. that are just sitting there. And you know why they can charge that much? Because Japanese tourists come yeah. in and they buy seven hundred dollar Clash yeah. T-shirts like all the time. <laughs> Supreme clearly has no problem selling these items once they go out. So it's like just one of those things that like I don't understand. Uh, I won't eat. But like, do you remember in the Banksy documentary? You know, the the only thing that determines value is what people are willing to pay for something. Right. And I remember Banksy set up uh, a stand in New York selling original Banksy's that looked kind of nondescript and you wouldn't know for 50 bucks mm. to anybody who walked by. And it's not like people walked by and went, oh, my God, that's <laughs> stunning. I need that. How is that only $50? It's not like you're looking at like a you know, a, a Porsche with a $10 price tag right, on it. You exactly. know what I mean? It's not that obvious. So <laughs> the only thing that determines value is is what people are willing to pay for it. If somebody really needs $70,000 worth of Oreos, hey, man. You know, I, I overspent on a 1989 Ken Griffey Jr. Upper Deck at one point in my life. <laughs> See, I think that there may be a serious scam going on. And I'm not just saying that because I've been watching that McBillions documentary, you mm. know, the, the McDonald's mm-hmm. Monopoly do- documentary. This one guy had, you know, the Park Place and the Boardwalk pieces All right. from the McDonald's game. Do you remember the great M&M? No. There was like apparently like like a contest. If you found the gray M and M, it was worth like I don't know like a million dollars or something like that. He had all of these things, and he had the gray M and M wrapped in tin foil in the back of his refrigerator. That was like, do not touch. I, and I and like the wife like almost ate it one day. I could picture like this guy comes home from work. He has this package of Oreos. He places it in the refrigerator. He's like, oh great, I'm gonna resell this. Make make so much more than $70,000. Yeah. I don't see how that's possible. And then, like, the wife comes home. She has, like, the red, like, oh. crumbs around, like, her mouth. And he's like, no! no! <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. What are you going to do about shit like this? <laughs> it's like it's like people with too much money are just going to find weird shit to spend too much money on all the time. This is making me consider we should just change the color of the podcast logo to red and make it look like Supreme and then maybe... You know, supply and demand. We've said the name Supreme a lot in this podcast. That's right. Yeah, what's up, big dogs? Live ad, we'd use promo code TUNEUP. What do they sell? Clothes? Yeah, clothes, (laughs) everything. Jonah Hill's lifestyle. Yeah, I don't... (laughs) I saw he's got a... Jonah Hill's got tattoos now? What's Uh, up? He looks like... Post Malone? When did that happen? He looks like Mr. Hardcore Kid now. I did just watch mid-90s, and that movie gave me a lot of feels. That was like my life. It was crazy. All right, Benny, we're running out of room on the podcast, which means it's time for the mailbag. You've got mail. All right, Benny, bunch of tweets coming in at the TuneUp HQ on Twitter. Our guy Sean has been tweeting us a bunch. Thank you for that, Sean. And he actually started following basketball because of the pod. Now, I don't know how much of this is lip service and how much of this is actually real, but thank you for the kind words anyway, Sean. But he's looking for a basketball team. Yeah. So I think I think what would be fun now is if anyone else feels like writing in and making a pitch for your team. Why should Sean, who I believe is from Ireland, is he? Yeah. I, why should Sean 
follow your team and be a fan. And then you can claim that you courted an Irish fan <laughs> to the Detroit Pistons or somebody. I'm surprised that he didn't just be like, boom, Celtics, Legends, Larry Bird, Kemba Walker, done. Listen, man, maybe people are just looking to, to branch out a little bit. You don't want to be... You know, what, what do I like Macabre Tel Aviv or something? Oh, hey, <laughs> hey man, they, they have a very good basketball good team. Squad, didn't didn't Melly used to play for Macabre yeah, Tel Aviv? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> well, Sean, thanks for listening, man. And I know you said you were leaning towards the Knicks. Which is a... But I just got to tell you... If that's what this pod made you feel yeah, in your heart... <laughs> I grew up some, with some Knicks fans, and, and I want you to follow your heart, Sean. I want you to do what feels right, but just know... It's a tough road to go down. Yeah. You know, don't expect joy. Don't expect uh, <laughs> amazement and lovely basketball. Expect uh, angry Spike Lee, sweating James Dolan, <laughs> and uh, just some, you know, some high drinks. I would say, you know, if he's uh, from Ireland and the Premier League's right across the pond, I'd say it would be like being an, an Arsenal fan except without the hope every year. <laughs> well, anyways, get in contact with the show. You can email us at thetuneuppodcast at gmail.com. You can DM us, tweet at us at thetuneuphq on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow him on Twitter at Benny Horowitz1, number one in your minds, number one in your hearts, number one on Twitter. I am at Denny underscore Gallagher. Benny, any final thoughts? Everybody. Love. Everybody. This is Ben, the tune-up.